If you're interested in small business, you're going to want to subscribe to the Small Business Showcase by Kaizen Tree. We meet with small business owners every week to discuss lessons that you can apply in your own journey. Learn from their failures, successes, and stories to discover how to build a life doing what you love. For those of you who already have a small business, be sure to check out kaizentree.com, an online platform that helps manage your inventory, sales channels, customer relationships, and more. Hi, welcome back to the Kaizen Tree Podcast. Today we are joined by Brian. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you for having me on. I know, it's a pleasure to have you on. Brian, to, to get started, um, could you introduce yourself? Could you tell us a bit more about your company, please? Sure. Uh, my name is Brian Lee. I'm the owner and uh, master sauceologist flavor guy behind BT Lee's Sauces and Rubs. Um, I'm an award-winning um Sauces and Rub Company out of Bowling Green, Kentucky. Since we made our first sale in 2018, we've won over 40 international awards for our flavors. And uh, we've kind of taken the barbecue community by storm a little bit, but I try not to categorize myself as a barbecue guy because I play with all flavors. And and where are you located originally? Uh, my original, original hometown is Cleveland, Ohio, um, but I moved down here to Bowling Green, Kentucky, to be closer to my wife's family. And that's where you started your business? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I was doing a lot of barbecue up in Cleveland and uh, we initially incorporated up there, but then we decided to move. So we gave it the real the real shot when we were down here in Kentucky. I see. And w- what got you into this uh, market or segment in particular of sauces? I've always been culinary minded. My family was a family full of farmers and home cooks. We we would always have fresh food and fresh meat available to us. When I was like four years old, my dad used to throw these long, like three day long parties where they would spit and roast whatever they had hunted that year, uh, the weeks leading up to it. And um, I was run around and I'd mix sauces and spice blends together and get people to try it. Uh, I got a lot of encouragement from my my family because they were, you know, very um, home cook minded. And um, eventually I started working at a pizza restaurant with my uh, brother from another mother. And then I ended up in technology. Um, I spent 20 years in tech, left the left the culinary thing behind. And then uh, one day my girlfriend now wife decided to buy a grill we bought the cheapest grill possible because we were living in an apartment and within like three hours i had cut the grates in half put a firewall up and made this thing a little smoker and uh i started smoking meats and then i would take those meats to my my uh my office on monday morning and that kind of turned into a, a side hustle where every Every weekend I was smoking tens of pounds of meats, you know, anywhere from like 20 to 60 pounds of barbecue and selling it off on Monday morning to my coworkers. Eventually that turned into sauces, you know, and eventually that turned into me catering graduation parties, birthday parties, and then eventually my own wedding. We had a, a surprise barbecue wedding. My wife likes to joke that, that was the launch party of BT Lee Sauces and Rubs. 
Yeah, so I've seen on on your website you, you have this story about uh, just starting out with family and then friends, and then all of a sudden you're catering out to uh, to um, graduation parties and stuff like this. I guess I have two questions regarding this because now you told me that you're like in 110. Uh, yeah, I think it's like 100 and 112 different stores across the country, or across the world, actually. I'd like to focus on the expansion of your business because that's a, a that's a hard one. A lot of businesses are able to get a they have the idea. To implement the idea and have their product ready, but the expansion is a bit daunting. Um, first of all, was it really as smooth sailing as this? No, <laughs> no, it's, there's no such thing. I don't, I don't think there's such a thing as a smooth sailing in small business. You know, I mean, especially when it's a product based business, there's a lot of belief that has to go into what you're doing, and you have to be able to communicate and sell that to someone else in a very subjective realm, you know, because flavor is one of the most subjective things out there. Someone might not like rosemary, they might not like mustard, or it's too salty, or it's too sweet, you know, like there's a balance that has to be achieved on that. So what, when we started, when we started BT Lee's, we initially thought it was going to be a hobby business, it wasn't going to be a big thing. We started at a local farmer's market. I chose that farmer's market because they had a commercial kitchen that had a 45-gallon steam kettle in it. And instantly in my head, I'm already thinking five years ahead where I'm like, I'm going to have to use this 45-gallon steam kettle to make my sauces. So we started with a 20-quart pot on the stove and we were jarring in mason jars and, and labeling ourselves and, and all that. And then eventually it got to the point where we were in the kitchen three times a week making 45 gallons every night. The expansion from thinking, well, I'm going to sell 10 jars of barbecue sauce a weekend to I'm moving 300 jars of barbecue sauce on a Saturday to I'm now co-producing my sauces in... 3,000 pound batches, you know, which is approximately 2,900 jars are coming to me. And that's coming to me every quarter thereabouts in five different permutations. It's daunting from the growth perspective, because in the beginning, you're buying all your ingredients, you know, retail, because you don't know any better. And then as you stand up and you get wholesale, and then you're buying in larger volumes, and all of a sudden you realize, like the game changers when you when you can accept freight, that's when that's when everything kind of changes. What what do you mean when you can accept free? So a lot of uh, a lot of small business owners don't have a way to accept like an LTL or a or a, any form of freight shipment, you know, because it costs more to get it dropped to a residential area. It costs, you know, you have to have a way to unload a pallet. So most people are shipping UPS and and all the higher small parcel uh, shipping methods, and that costs a lot of money. The moment you can actually buy jars in pallets or half truckloads the cost goes through the floor but, but how do you get how do you get to that point um is it just moving location and then you get into a more accessible location or um yeah uh having having some place with a with a dock or a uh or a roll-up door or you having yourself a pallet jack is a is a good thing i mean you can always get you can always get ltl loads with um with lift gates, although that does cost more usually. Like there, there have been hurdles where we transferred we transferred boxes from one truck to another without that, and that was 
a pain, you know, or or downstacking cases off of a semi that's parked in the middle of a, a road because it can't get to the place where you're because it's it's not a commercial establishment. And still talking about the expansion, how would you how would you um, say that someone should go about going to one store and then getting to a second store? How did you do this journey from one to one hundred and twelve? Um, so you have to be able to pitch yourself, boil it down, boil down your pitch to about 90 seconds. Store buyers, they want, they want to know what you're doing and they don't want to be, you know, dickered with, you know, like there's, their time is money, you know, and they hear pitches all the time. So you have to be able to differentiate yourself either with your product or with your sales tactic in what you're doing. And then you just need to approach people. You need to research your category that you're in, make sure that there's a place for you on their shelves. And uh, you also have to sell what your product is going to bring to their store and their establishment, not just what you are going to get out of it, you know? And and how would you say that you differentiate yourself? How, how do your sauces differentiate themselves from any other one on the shelf? So uh, my sauces are gluten-free, vegan friendly all natural uh use a single sh single sugar single salt i don't try and fill it out to cut costs i want to put good quality ingredients in everything i do and um my flavor profiles are also not the norm they're familiar but also unfamiliar so a lot of people say wow that's that reminds me of something but i can't put my finger on it but that's really delicious or wow, that was not what I expected at all. You know, so I like to push boundaries on flavor, but I want to be as inclusive as possible while doing it. So that puts me in natural food stores, high-end gift shops. I'm not necessarily competing with the low end in barbecue or the spices that are filled with like corn flour and all that jazz. We're, we're whole. And that's a, that's a differentiator. What's this process of making uh, a sauce? What do you do that makes them so appealing? Like, how do you how do you feel like this is the right sauce? Like, you've got a good product this time. In my past life, I was a musician, and I I look at building flavors like building chords. You know, so you've got the root, you've got the third, you've got the fifth, you've got all these these things that complement each other, but then you start putting in things that might cause a little bit of dissonance in it, a little bit of bitterness. You start playing with different flavor profiles until you find what you're looking for. And there, there are times when I'll taste something and I, I'll say, oh, damn, that's really good. I need to build something around this, you know? And uh, I, li I like to think of myself as the kind of person that can taste something and catalog it. So I've just got like this backlog of flavors in my brain. And when I find something that I'm interested in, I'm like, what can work with that? And then I start going through all those cap those those flavors and figuring it out. And um, people tend to trust me. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of cutting room floor too. You know, like I'll, I'll make something and it, it won't ever, it's never the first version. Sometimes there's 40, 40 versions, you know, or sometimes there's three. You know, like sometimes you get to that point where you're like, that's it. This is done. It's over. And that point and you get to that point and you tell yourself this is over just purely on intuition. 
Uh, so, so usually I say to myself that this is, this is good. This is right where I want it. And then I'll hand it off to like the brain trust around me. So my wife, my sister-in-law, um, a couple of the culinary people here in Bowling Green that I, that I trust with their, their, uh, their taste buds. And then I'll ship a couple off across the country and then I'll be like, good, yay or nay. And usually it's a yay. And then we start to explore bringing that to market. Okay which is uh, in and of itself, its own thing. You know, that's its own journey. Yeah, talking about breaking to the market. So we've just had the COVID pandemic. Would you say that this impacted your business? It definitely, it probably had an impact, but was it positive? Was it negative? So in the beginning, in the beginning of the pandemic, we panicked because the majority of my business at that time was in-person sales events. So we would go to like a boutique show or a holiday show, or I would do a cooking demo in front of a butcher shop, you know, just to get the flavor out there. And for food, if they can taste it, they'll either like it or they'll hate it. But most of the time they'll buy it. Not being able to taste it, that changes things entirely. We had, I think it was like, 58 sales events on the books for 2020. We did four across the whole thing. So we, early on in the pandemic, we pushed our efforts into pivoting to wholesale. And then I started calling and pounding the pavement for places to to buy us wholesale. Because it was always on the list of things to do, you know? It wasn't the biggest priority because we knew we had another method of gaining traction because we were selling like four different states. We were going to in-person shows in four different areas of the South in in, uh, the United States. So our flavors were getting out there. And now all of a sudden I'm calling people and being like, hey, I make award-winning barbecue sauces and rubs. Would you like to try a sample? And I'm sending out samples and then they're ordering wholesale. And then I'm sending out the wholesale order to them. When we stood up our our rebrand in 2019, we we went to make all of our labels as appealing as possible on the shelf. So we we tried to stand out visually from everything else that's out there. Because barbecue sauce at that time and spice blends at that time were it was a little dark. There was a lot of flames, mm-hmm. but we went with yep. a very stark, clean look you know, so people found us appealing on the shelves. Like that was our forethought on that. We put, we put a lot of, well, forethought into, into doing that before we, like we laid the tracks, the groundwork to get to wholesale. And then we started doing more e-com. Like we, we started pouring efforts into just like everybody else started pouring efforts into, into digital marketing, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you know, started building communities out there. And, uh, and we saw growth. We saw 50% growth year over year in the pandemic. Everyone was cooking at home. Do you do, do, you do anything in particular um, on your social medias that you find makes you uh, gain attraction? Well, um, the cooking videos, recipes, always a good thing. I was on uh, PBS's Great American Recipe as a contestant. That helped because that was national television, but, you know, interfacing with people and just, you know, having conversations and, and winning awards. Awards are a big one. Like, as you can see behind me, we got four or five, five of my ribbons out there. I don't have any of my trophies laid out or anything like that. Uh, we've won 40, 43 awards, 44 awards so far. 
for flavors. Yeah, that's impressive. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. It's successful. But before success, you have a lot of uh, problems, right? And very often when we talk to um, when we talk to businesses, one of the biggest headache that they have uh, when they start and even um, afterwards, it's uh, managing their um, inventory, right? Um, what was your experience like? Do you have this headache? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In the beginning, I knew how many glass jars I had. I knew how approximately my ingredient needs for the run that I was going to make. And then we would inventory finished product at the end. So the spreadsheet for the first year. And then we moved to Shopify. And I started inventorying everything through Shopify at that point. And then uh, when wholesale yeah. really started kicking off, we were no longer selling in singles. We were selling in case pack. So, and that's where it gets dicey because, you know, you know that you've got 2000 jars of barbecue sauce over here and you just sold a case of 12, but the system doesn't know that you just sold a case of 12. You've, you've got two different line items. You've got one that's a, that's a case that you, that you're selling for X amount of money. And then you've got it single, right? So we had to rectify inventory based on that. And, you know, we, we end up doing inventory every two weeks just to make sure everything's in place. Yeah. So the system basically sees it as one item, right? And so it sees, it doesn't see the difference between uh, the, the crate, the box and the bottles. Yeah, I see. I see. Every every two weeks, yeah, every two weeks doing your inventory. That's that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time put into it's it's a lot of time, but it's it's one of those things like you keep it up. It's not as much time, um, because I know approximately how much is going out, right? So if I was doing inventory every six months, I would probably be spending a whole eight hour day crawling through, you know. But since the way I the way I stack everything and the way I've got all my stuff laid out, it's easy to see there's 21 cases in this row, 22 in this row, you know, like that kind of thing. It's a pretty straightforward thing right there. So you're already in 130, uh, 112 locations. What's your next big move? So we've got a couple, couple irons in the fire right now. Uh, we'll be releasing a couple more products this year. Um, I would like to move into a few other industries i guess you could say another a few other categories um i'd like to get into distribution like major distribution <clears throat> and pitch nationwide you know ultimately whole foods would be great you know or or one of the larger larger retailer retail chains would be good for us because right now we've got small grocery store chains and gift shops and you know, butcher shops and, and a lot of those places, but not, not much in the way of, of large churn stores. I see. And maybe a final question. Um, what is something that you've been doing or that you do that you did maybe uh, that has helped you personally or your business progress? Like maybe personally, what is something that you do that keeps you calm or that uh, whenever you get that tension and that anxiety, you're like, it's going to be okay. So my partner and I have come to an understanding on verbiage, which is, which has really helped, really helped because I'm a, I'm an idea guy. I will talk 10 years ahead in my brain. Well, she's a planner. She's like the, she's the tracks. What's the next week hold? What's the next two weeks hold? 
one month out. That's as far as I want to go. What's the next thing? So we we instituted uh, the the words actionable. Is this actionable? And if it's if it's not actionable, then it's it's vapor. You know, it's future problem. It's not a problem for now. So all of the the communications between us have gotten so much better because I can I can wax on, you know, about all the flavor profiles I'd like to get out and the things like that. And she's like, is it actionable? And I'm like, no, it's not actionable. She's like, okay, good. Come back to me when it is, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a tow motor. It's not, you know, knowing your case packs or finding the perfect thing for shipping. It's, it's, you know, or finding the best spice supplier. It's like a, a communications thing, which is vital with those that you work with. I see. I see. Well, Thank you very much, Ryan. Uh, it's been very instructful. My pleasure. Um, and it's been great, actually. It's been great to hear about your story. Yeah, it's, uh, thank you. It's very encouraging. And congratulations again. Uh, and thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure. This was fun. Yeah, great. I'm glad you liked it. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Showcase. If you liked the episode, be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss out on the next one. The discussion continues online. Head over to kaizentree.com slash articles to share your thoughts on today's show and to read some of our articles which cover useful topics such as what to do about Apple's new iOS update. For more from Kaizentree, follow our Instagram at kaizentree or visit our website www.kaizentree.com That's www.kaizentree.com